Hey everybody, my name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors at Branch Life. And no matter where you are today, whether you're watching online or you're streaming in your car as you drive, we just wanna say thank you for engaging with today's message. We hope that no matter where you are in life, it will be an encouragement to you and that it will cause you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We also wanna challenge you and say, don't leave today without taking the next step that you need to take in your faith journey. One of the ways that we can help you with that is if you go to branchlife.church, you'll find steps there on how to take that next step for you. Again, we're thankful that you've engaged with us today, and we hope that we'll see you in the weeks to come. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Church. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here at Branch Life. Man, we're glad you joined us, and I hope that you will stick around as today we're saying it's confession time. No, seriously, it's time to make some confessions. And if you were confessing things, you might say, hey, uh, uh, to be truthful, I haven't been in a church for a while. Maybe you haven't been in a church for your entire life. Maybe you just haven't been in a church building during COVID. And one of the things that people think about churches is that you have to go to a church building to confess. Well, the truth is, confession is one of the most powerful spiritual practices and today we're going to talk about confession. And here's the truth. Confession is an essential first step in healing broken things. But you don't need to go to a church to confess. You don't need to meet up with a, any kind of spiritual leader to go through this spiritual practice. You just need yourself and God. And God says when you meet him in a spirit of confession, you are immediately on the road to healing. So today, let's talk through Psalm 139, a powerful psalm where you will see yourself, and I see myself in this spirit. We're calling it Confession Time. Join us as we look at Psalm 139. Oh, hey guys. Hey, we're back in our psalm series. Sorry, I was just grabbing a snack, a honeycomb. I think last week we talked about honeycomb and how sweet it is. And this psalm series has been sweet. And we're getting ready to wrap this thing up because the summer is getting to wrap up. And we're trying to hold on to the summer as long as we can. So if you're watching this live, you understand that we're in September and we're still in our psalm series. But what's been so great and so sweet about this psalm series is we've been able to see ourselves in it. We see every emotion, we see every conflict, we see every victory, we see every joy. And the deep truths of theology that are found all throughout scripture are just expressed in a powerful and an emotional way in and through the Psalms. So we are inviting you to be a part of the Psalms and make it a regular part of your summer playlist. These songs should be on your playlist, whether it's your summer playlist or your fall playlist, or maybe you're watching this in another time in another space, put these Psalms on your playlist. You'll be glad you did. And hey, keep that habit of reading a psalm regularly, whether it's once a week or every day, you won't regret it. These psalms have been 
fantastic. And today we're jumping into another Psalm where you're going to find yourself. And this is Psalm 139. And if you were going to title this painting or this poem, we'd title it Confession Time. We've got a confession to make. Now, it's a little bit more serious than saying, I've got a confession to make. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. That's a horrible confession. I am not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I know that there's some of you hiding out there and it would be confession time now that football season has started. Now, what we're talking about is the spiritual practice of confession. And it's a powerful, powerful practice that if you do this thing, if you are regularly involved in confession, you're going to see significant dividends if you invest in this practice. Confession is one of the most powerful spiritual practices that we can undertake. And the good news is we can do it anytime, anywhere, and we're going to see that. It's so powerful, it's so profound, but at the same time, it's one of those practices that's easily overlooked and there is confusion about. I want to tell you today that if you get confession, if you do confession God's way, you're going to see broken things healed. Now, Let's just admit right now that we are surrounded by brokenness. You've probably got something that's broken in your life right now. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe there's been a fallout with a friend, a spouse, a child, a coworker. Maybe there's broken emotions and, and you're struggling day by day by day trying to get your emotions in order. The, the pandemic could be causing fear or anxiety or stress or frustration. You may find yourself more angry than you used to be. And maybe physically there's just brokenness going on. You're not able to get a good night's sleep. You're wrestling with an illness. There is brokenness all around us. And sometimes we are the cause of that brokenness. And sometimes that cause of brokenness is outside of us. The truth is we live in a broken world. We have broken bodies and we use broken emotions and broken minds to try to figure all this stuff out. Well, how do we heal all of this brokenness? If you want relief from this pain, if you want to see these things fixed and better, what do you do? I'm going to tell you today that confession is the first step in healing brokenness. And I'm excited to share this with you. So lean in as we look at Psalm 31, 139 called Confession Time. Let's jump into it. Here's Here's a couple of truths that we know about confession. First, confession is the first step in healing what's broken. So we've, we've been talking about that brokenness comes and is a part of all of our lives. And if I want to heal it, well, let's take the first step of confession. It's a spiritual step that must be taken. And it's a spiritual step that can happen in any moment and in any place. If you want healing, confession can happen now. Your spiritual health and well-being can be fixed now. It is something that you can address immediately. You don't have to wait. And isn't that great news? We want what we want and we want it now. And a lot of times we're going through problems, we're going through trials, we're going through heartache, and there's really not much we can do about it. We've got to depend on the doctors or wait for our turn or it's going to take a certain amount of time. But there's always something you can do now spiritually and that's confession. And that's something that can cause immediate relief to whatever the brokenness may be. In Psalm 139, we're going to see why that, that confession brings healing. And there's three really reasons. There's a lot more than that, but there's three reasons why confession brings this healing. And this song, this poem that we're looking at, demonstrates these three reasons in some spectacular ways. So grab your Bibles, jump to Psalm 139. We're going to start 
right off the bat in, uh, in verse 1 of Psalm 139 and read these together. Here's what we're going to find in the first six verses. God can't be fooled. So the first reason that you should be involved in the spiritual practices of confession is because God can't be fooled. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. God can't be fooled. Look at this incredible set of verses and we want to highlight what the truth is that's being shown here by the market of practice. First, in Psalm 139 verse 6, it says, You have searched me and you know me. So this is going to be unpacked in these next few verses. God is a searching God. God is an involved God. God is present in our lives, in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our days, in our weeks, in our years. God is actively participating in what is happening in your life and in my life in every moment of every day. Hey, the Bible clearly says that the devil is prowling around like a lion, searching out whom he may devour. God is searching as well. God is searching for who he can heal, who he can protect, how he can help. And God, as he searched, knows exactly what is going on. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern. You're able to understand my thoughts even though you're far. You search out my path and my lying down. You know the direction. You know where I'm going to have to rest. Where, where if I was on a hike, I was going to put up my camp and take a break. And you are acquainted with my ways. God knows why you do what you do. Now, I know husbands and wives out there that this is kind of a, a, a fascinating thing. Your wife, do you wish you knew why she did what she did? It's why they wrote a book. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? We seem to be on different planets sometimes, but that's not God. God understands exactly why your wife does what she does and why you do what you do. God understands your kids. Why do teenagers act the way that they act? God understands your ways and your direction. He knows exactly what's going on. And behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Psalm 139 is completely telling us over and over again in this poetic form, this incredible truth that God knows all things. He can't be fooled. We can't trick or deceive God. Now, let me teach you guys a magic trick. So kids, if you're out here, this is the kids challenge for today. I want to give you an opportunity to learn a magic trick. Maybe you can fool your teachers. Uh, on the on the computer this next week and and you can say hey I got a magic trick and I want to show you my rubber pencil this is a pencil right that's made out of wood I can knock on things you can hear that it is solid but in my magic powers I'm going to turn this solid wood pencil into rubber so ready abracadabra one two three and I'm just gonna start wobbling this thing look at that rubber I've, I've taken a solid piece of wood and I've turned it into rubber. Isn't that a great magic trick? Now, maybe some of you are out there going, I know how you did that. I know exactly how that worked and I'm not fooled that that is just a wood pen pencil still and it hasn't actually changed. You just made it look that way. Listen, there's nothing that you can do to trick God. You can't 
You can't mask things. You can't magically change things. You can't tell God a story or a lie that he doesn't see right through. You can't hide things and make them look different. You can't paint things over and pretend like it didn't happen. God can't be fooled. And so as we see this truth in the beginning of the psalm, really, what's the psalmist trying to tell us? How do we know that this leads to healing? Well, if God can't be fooled, well, then it's our, our job just to tell him the truth. God can't be fooled, so simply tell him the truth. Listen, you do not have to be embarrassed about your faults when it comes to God. You do not have to be ashamed. You don't have to think that God doesn't know that God has somehow got you in a different category than you're actually in. When you tell God the truth, you are only telling him what he already knows. You can share God with everything. This is one of the reasons why confession is so hard. Because we think that we're keeping our deepest, darkest secrets to ourselves. And if you only knew what I actually thought, if you only knew what I actually did, then you would reject me, you would make fun of me, you would think of me differently. And humanly speaking, we see that happening over and over and over again. Not God. God already knows exactly who you are why you are the way you are, how you got to where you are, and he loves you anyway. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. He loves you so much that he is offering you a free gift of salvation if you confess your sins to him and rely on him for salvation. You see that God already cares about you. And so when he, you bring your deep, dark secret to God, he looks at you and he goes, I know, and I already love you. So we hold on to this first powerful reason why confession bring healing, because it allows us to release our secrets, to release our burdens, to release our pain to a God who already knows about them and has decided to love us anyway. The second thing we see in this psalm is this. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12 says, God is everywhere. Seems simple, but hold on. Strap yourselves in because this is a powerful truth when you relate it to confession. Look at Psalm 139, 139, 7 through 12. It says first, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? All right. If I want to get away from God, if I want to keep something secret from God, if I want to run from God, where can I go to do this? You know, this happened famously in the Bible. One of the most famous books of the Bible is a book about Jonah the prophet. And God spoke to Jonah and God said, Jonah, you got to go here. And Jonah said, nope, I'm going to run the other way and I'm going to run from God. And he got out in a boat and he went out in a storm, but he found out that God was there. God caused the storm and the other sailors threw Jonah overward. Maybe he's going to get away from God in the lake, in the ocean, wherever he was at. And he was sinking into the bottom of the ocean and he got swallowed by a whale. He's in the belly of the whale. Surely God will not be able to find me here. But no, God was present in the belly of the whale. Everywhere that Jonah went, trying to run from God, trying to hide from God, God was already there because God is everywhere. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Here's where the song psalmist goes. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Not only do we have the present, the, the promise of God's presence, 
We have the promise of God's leading and guiding anywhere we go. The psalmist goes on to say, If I say, surely to the, the darkness will cover me and the light about me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is bright as the day. For the darkness is as light with you. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? Nowhere. God is up, he is down, he is in, he is out, he's in front, he's behind, he's in the day, he's in the night, he's in every season of your life. God is everywhere. This is why as we introduce Psalm 139 to you, that we opened in a church building, and some people believe that God's only in the church, that God's only in these four walls that people call churches. And let me drop a couple of truth bombs on you. The church is not a building. The church, the church is a people who are following God. The building is just a place. It's a place where we can all get together. It's just, it's just a tool. It's not who the church is. And so there's nothing special about a church building or a set of pews that make it where God's presence is. No, God has said, I'm everywhere. So God is present inside of those buildings, but he's also present outside of those buildings. God just doesn't see you on Sundays. God sees you on Mondays through Friday. You don't have to go to a church to meet up with God. You don't have to meet with a priest or a pastor to have a conversation with God. You can meet God anywhere because God is everywhere. So when we look at this truth in Psalm 139, 7 through 12, God's everywhere so you can meet with him anywhere. The reason that it's confession time is because God is available for you to talk to any time. You know, when you're feeling low, when you're seeing the brokenness of whatever it is you're going through, when that storm is raging, you can know that God is present there and you can meet with him. You say those words that you know you shouldn't say. You flew off in a fit of rage and, and, and left just damage in your wake. You crossed the line that you know you shouldn't have crossed. In that very moment, it's confession time. Because you can meet God anywhere. As a matter of fact, the sooner you can get to confession, the sooner you can start the healing process. If you are a follower of Jesus, you need to get good at immediate confession. Confessing to God on a regular basis. Those things that miss the mark. Those things that, that are, are sins. Those things that are mistakes or regrets that contribute to the brokenness of your life. Those choices you wish you would have made differently, confess them to God and you can do it anywhere. Listen, God can't be fooled. God already knows. So bring it out to the table. Don't be ashamed. Let him know exactly what it is you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it. And number two, God is everywhere. So you can confess. You can meet up with him anywhere, anytime, in any space. You have a direct connection to God. He is with you and his hand is guiding you. And the last thing we see why we need to confess and how it brings healing is in Psalm 39, 13 through 16. And here we're going to see this powerful truth. God wrote already past tense. God wrote your story. Look at Psalm 139 and verses 13 and 16, and we'll jump from one to the other. There's more here than we have time for, but it says this, you God knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you. 
He put you together. He designed you. Just like an author of a book designs a character. When, a, when an author is writing a story, let's just take one of the most famous stories in, in the world right now. When J.K. Rowling decides she's going to write about Harry Potter and she starts creating the character Harry Potter, creating the Hermione Grangers of this world, she begins knitting together that character, what they look like, what they feel like, what their emotions are, where they are on the Enneagram, what, what makes them mad, what makes them work what house they're going to be sorted into. She gets to write that story about that character. That author has ultimate power over that character when they put them together in that book. They create them from scratch. Listen, that is what God has done to you. When we say God is the author and the finisher of your faith, when God is the writer of your story, we are saying that God has designed you and put you together. He has made you, and it's a wonderful thing that God has made. You are valuable to God. You are precious to God because you are designed by God. And he has given you wonderful gifts and wonderful talents. And there are some of you out there going, no, not me. There's nothing wonderful about me. I wish I could change all of these things. I wish I, I, wish I was different in some way, shape, or form in this in this moment, when you're when you are in a spirit of confession, listen, confess those thoughts to God. Confess those regrets. Confess those things that you look down on yourself, those past actions that have caused you to feel guilty and shameful. And when you confess those gods, God, God looks down at you and he says, listen, I have written your story. I have created you and you are wonderful. You are valuable to God. So valuable, remember, that God sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. God gave his son for you. You are loved. And you are wonderful. And when you confess, you are able to understand and feel the wonder that God has for you because he wrote your story. When we jump down to verse 16, we see that this language of an author continues and it says, in your book, in God's book, were written every one of them. What's them? Well, it's the days of your life. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. All that to say, your days, your story has been written out ahead of time. God has written the story of your days before they ever happened. He's writing out your tomorrow. He's writing out your next year. He's writing out your next chapter. God knows and is, is planning for the future. Remember, he knows your ways. He knows your choices. He knows who you are. He knows what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And yet he continues to be the author of your life. God is the one who is writing your story. So what do we do with this? If, if, am I in control or is God in control? If, if I confess that I'm trying to control and I lean into God's control, how do I do that? And how does this idea, this truth encourage me today? Listen, when you confess, when you say, God, I'm wrong. God, I've made a mistake. God, I've, I've chosen poorly. God, I'm broken. And I confess these things. God, God writes the rest of your story. And so look at what God has promised about his story. In Psalm 30, 139, 13 through 16, God wrote your story. So here's what we do. We need to trust his promises. We need to trust the promises of the author. He has guaranteed us. He has given us sure bets. 
He has said to you that I'm going to make a promise that will be kept. And when we trust these promises, it transforms our lives. I want to say this as we're in this section and thinking about God's promises. Look at this powerful, powerful truth. Write this down. Dwell on it. It's been powerfully used in my life in just the last few days. God's promises turn our problems into opportunities. What? All right. We have a choice in life to look at our problems as devastating. We can look at our problems as barriers or as walls. We can look at them as frustration points and, and we can get all upset about our problems, but we do not have to. That does not have to be the posture of a Jesus follower. No, because of God's promises, we can look at our problems and instead of seeing hurdles and walls and being frustrated and angry, we can see opportunity. We can see the chance to better our story. We can see that uh, God can take even the worst things that I have done and cause them to be written in a way that brings out good. God's promises, man, someday we need to do a sermon series on God's promises and understanding what it means. But when you look at God's promises and you believe them for what they are, there is no problem that we cannot face. There is no disaster. There is no struggle. There is no concern that cannot be handled by God and uphold by his promises. Now we're in a time of problems, right? Again, I, I love some of these memes that are going around the internet. My favorite one this week was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They're getting into their time machine, but it had a bumper sticker on it that said, whatever you do, don't go to 2020, right? We've got all kinds of problems that we don't want to face here in 2020. And it seems like it's one on top of the other on top of the other. But is 2020 just a bunch of problems causing us to be frustrated over and over again? Or is there opportunity here? Every leader, everyone trying to direct something in 2020 has had to redesign, re-strategize, pivot, and turn, and try to figure out how they can survive, how can they, how can they thrive, or, or is it time just to let something die? And everyone's trying to work through these things. Listen, these problems that we face don't need to cause you frustration. They can cause uh, you to see opportunity and bring innovation. You see... Some of the promises that God gives us causes great hope when problems of this world hit. When it comes to confession, God says, I promise that if you are faithful to confess your sins, that I will forgive your sins and I will separate them as far as the east is from the west. God promises that if you trust in him for your salvation, that he will give you eternal life in heaven. What more can I want? I know that if the worst thing happens to me here and my life is over, it is now the beginning of a new life with God in heaven. That's incredible. I'm going to be a part of a new heaven and new earth someday. And that those promises just cause my soul to sing no matter how bad it gets here on earth. God promises for those of you that love him that he will work all things together for good. That's an incredibly crazy promise. And as we look at Psalm 139, let's remind ourselves of just some, some three quick promises that you can hold on to when problems come and see the opportunity that God might be writing in your story. 
in verses 1 through 7, remember we said that God already knows. He knows everything. So what's the promise? God promises that I know the way. God promises that I know the way. For the last month, all I've been thinking about as a pastor is what are we going to do when the weather changes? We're meeting outside at 9 a.m. It's actually been really great for us to be outside. And for those that are ready to be in an outside setting, it's safe. We can spread out. We can still sing together. And it's great because it's warm and it's outside. But in a little while, it's going to be cold. And we now are at Branch Life Church. We have a small building that's getting renovated. It's not going to be ready in time. We don't know how to utilize it, how to keep people safe. What are we going to do? Here's the promise. I got a problem, but God's got a promise. He says, I know the way. God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I know that God is going to keep building his church. I know that in the end, God wins. That God knows the way to victory. That God knows the way to peace. That God knows the way to healing and restoration. When I rest on that promise, my problem becomes an opportunity to allow God to show me the way I can go. When I look at the promise in 8 through 12, he's, he's everywhere, right? So we can get to him anywhere. I will be with you, God promises. You're never alone in this world. Even when you want to be alone, even when you're in the belly of the whale and you just say, leave me alone and let me die, God is still there. He is still with you and he will guide you and his right hand will hold you fast. And when you don't feel God's presence, when you think that he has abandoned you and he's turned his back on you, know this promise that God has given that he is walking right alongside of you and he knows the way. And he said, I will hold you up. God will give you strength. So when my problem makes me feel alone and empty and discouraged, I can know and understand that I have the opportunity to see the presence of God like I've never seen it before. And the third thing we see in, in verses 13 through 16 of Psalm 139, it says God's going to work everything out for good. God is going to be the one that continues to write the story and he writes the story and writes the ending that God wins. And when this promise is repeated in the New Testament, God says, if you love me, if you are my child, then all things work together for good. Your sin, your mistake, your problem, your disease, your brokenness, God can write the story that allows good to come from that. And so when I have a problem, I know that if I turn it over to God, if I confess my sin, not only will he forgive me my sins, but he can write the story so that good can come from it. Listen, no matter how bad it is right now, no matter how dark it feels, no matter how hopeless the situation you're in, no matter how much you just wish it would, you, it would end now, I want to in this moment remind you of the promise that there is a better day tomorrow if you confess your sins to God. If today is confession time, then tomorrow good is on its way. And God will, in his time and in his way and in his power, cause good to come from our worst if we allow it. In the Bible and in history, we've seen this over and over and over again. When the worst happens, when the biggest disaster comes, we're able to see the goodness of God and the goodness of God's people shine. And he can take bad things that people do and he can cause good things to happen when you are a follower of Jesus. When we rely on God's promises, we realize that every problem is an opportunity 
in disguise. So let's be people that take our problems and confess them to God and see him do great things. As we end our time together, I want to end some time and give you an opportunity wherever you are. Maybe you're watching this online on Sunday with us live. Maybe you're watching this another time and you're by yourself. Maybe you're with a small group of people worshiping together. Maybe you're live with us as we present this on Sunday. Wherever you are, will you take some moments to, to go through this prayer of confession? Will you get in a quiet space and allow God to speak to you? Will you be someone who practices confession and not just today, but allow it to be an ongoing practice in your life so that confession can become a, a spiritual habit that brings healing for you all the time, anywhere, and every moment of every day. In the prayer of confession that this psalmist ends with, that he teaches us to pray, is simply this. Psalm 139, 7 through 11, excuse me, it's, it's the last part of the verses. But in Psalm 139, at the end of the chapter, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This prayer of confession given by the psalmist says to God, God, you search me, you know my heart, you can know me better than I can know myself, and reveal to me the wickedness that is inside of me, and then lead me into another way. God, I want to confess my sin to you, I want to confess my problems to you. I want to confess my brokenness to you. I want to confess my wickedness and my wrongs to you. And God, I want to go another way. This prayer of confession is a powerful prayer that we can use on a regular basis as we sing this summer playlist song to us. And in this season, in this pandemic, can I be so bold as to see or to present to you some of the confessions that I've had to make? Some of the things that I've had to reveal to God. Some things I thought I was keeping a secret from God. Some things that I thought I could run from God for. And in this season, and, and maybe some of these things are also your struggles as well. Would you be willing to say, hey, it's confession time. And I need to give some of these things to God. Number one, we need to confess worry. We need to confess worry. There's a lot out there that we can be worried about, that we can be concerned about for ourselves for our own health, for our, our businesses, for our family members, for our churches and for our neighbors. There's a lot out there of, that's distressful and upsetting when, when things are exploding in other countries, when tornadoes are forming at a record place, when the pandemic seems to be uh, raging and coming back or going away, when the teachers' uh, computers aren't working and all your kids want to do is get done with their school day. We can begin to worry, are they going to be safe? Are they going to learn? Are they going to uh, grow in the way? Are they going to miss out on experiences that they have? But listen, we need to confess worry. In my case, is, is what we do at our church going to be the right thing? Are we going to leave some people behind? Are we going to disconnect? Are we going to miss the mark somehow? God, are, are, we sure, are we sure we can do this thing the way you want us to do it? But worry reveals a lack of faith. That's why worry needs to be confessed. Because when we worry, we really say, God, you aren't writing the story. God, your promises might not come true. God, I'm going to have to handle this on my own. But when we have faith in God, we can have confidence in God and we can cast our cares on him knowing that he cares for us. So maybe in this season of confession, you would confess worry to God. Maybe one of the things you need to confess like me is the confess offense. Man, some of us can be super easily offended. 
Uh, we can be offended at someone looking at us funny or something we see on the television or a decision that a leader makes. We can be offended when someone intentionally hurts us. We can be offended when someone unintentionally hurts us. We can be offended when someone is struggling and they're making choices that aren't right and they start affecting us poorly. We, we can be offended because we have a friend who's offended and we do something called picking up offense. As a matter of fact, we are really good at being offended. And sometimes it seems like people thrive on offense. Christian, we should be hard to offend. Offense should not come easy to us because offense reveals a lack of forgiveness. And of all people, we are people who should understand and practice forgiveness because God loved us so much that he forgave us our sins. God has said, I have freely forgiven you, so you should freely forgive others. For those of us that have been forgiven everything, why do we hold offense? Why do we get mad at people for political views that are different than ours? Why do we, why do we cancel people when they make mistakes that they shouldn't have made? Why do we decide to remember those faults that people have and bring those things up first? It's like we're keeping a list. I want to tell you right now that if you become someone who is not easily offended, you will transform your life. It is way better to decide to forgive someone than it is to decide to be offended by someone. I want you to test me in this. Instead of holding a list, instead of thinking about people that you don't want to talk to, instead of, instead of having those neighbors that you keep at arm's length, I want you to forgive those people and to allow it to go away. To actually genuinely be in love with the people that have offended you. To forgive them. And to say, hey, I'm not going to hold this offense. Now we could do a whole lesson on the theology of forgiveness. And, and it's, it's not forgetting and it's not being a laundry, uh, someone where people walk all over you. Those, that's not what's implied here. But it is loving someone and letting go of the thing that has hurt you. And I will tell you that that spirit is way better than a spirit of offense. Test me in this. Forgive people. Restore your relationships. I'm someone who has a really bad memory. And a lot of, for a lot of reasons, that's not good. But in this reason, it's great. Because when someone does something that hurts me, hurts my feelings, I often just forget about it. And later, they'll come back into my life. And I'm generally just happy to see someone I haven't seen for a while. And, and you know, someone else can say, you, do you, you remember what that person did? You know, and I, I'm like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember. I, I just like people. Hey, when we forgive people... That means we get to be genuinely happy to see them when they come back into our life. Maybe you need to confess offense. And number three, confess division. You see, worry often leads to offense, which often leads to division. And division is simply a lack of unity. And God tells us to be unified. As a matter of fact, one of our values at Branch Life is to be better together. But we can so easily divide we can become someone who lets things divide us, little things, uh, meaningless things that take away a meaningful relationship. Don't let a piece of fabric that goes over your face divide you from other people. Whatever you think of that fabric, don't let it become a divisive issue. Don't let it keep you from uh, connecting and fellowshipping. Don't, don't let it cause you to think differently of somebody. Don't don't take a political stance on it and then reject everyone else who takes a different political stance. Don't let the pandemic divide you. Don't, don't let a decision that a leader makes divide you. We need to be people that seek and fight for unity. 
We need to fight for one another. God says, love me and love your neighbor as yourself, not divide from me. So maybe in this season, in this pandemic, you have found yourself divided. You are, are cut off from people, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And maybe your confession needs to be a confession of division. And we need to pursue unity. And when you say, God, search me, search my heart, know my ways, see if there be any wicked way in me. Am I dividing? Am I, am I staying away from connecting with my church virtually or physically because of this pandemic? And maybe you say you're at home and you're, you're, you're uh, investing in your church, you're investing in your spiritual community, but rea in reality, you're sort of sometimes there and it's sort of on your screen. Maybe, maybe you're not physically ready to be present, but maybe you need to lean in and engage even if it's virtually and online. Maybe you do need to take a more practical but intentional step back into your spiritual practices of connecting with the body of faith instead of being divided. Ask God to search your heart. Are you right in this? Maybe you have pushed away friends and neighbors who see things differently than you see them. Confess it. I've had to. I've had to take this confession to God and say, God, search me, know me, and help me to do it in a more perfect way way. And God's promises says that he, that he will. You know, as we enter into this season of confession, I want to show you an experience that I've gone through and I go through on a regular basis, a simple practice that you can do anywhere, anytime to take your confessions to God. Will you check out this practice? You know, as we talk about the importance of confession and how really it's the first step to heal broken things, I want to give you a really practical exercise that you can undertake at any place and at any time. As you pray this prayer, this prayer of confession, and go through this process of healing. You know, we rest on the promise that God says that when we ask for forgiveness, that he forgives us and he separates our, our sin as far as the east is from the west. And a lot of times we come and we know exactly what we need to confess. And other times we know that something's broken and we're just not sure what it is. And so that's where this prayer from this psalmist is a powerful prayer. And what I want to encourage you to do in this exercise is find a quiet place. And for me, it might be my desk at my house or, or um, in, in a chair somewhere or outside for a walk. And some of the tools that you'll need is a quiet place, a, an empty notepad and a pen. And here's the challenge for you is for this exercise, start with the very first step by praying a prayer of confession and literally praying Psalm 139 and saying, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. In other, God, in other words, God, show me the sin that I need to confess. Now be ready because this is a dangerous prayer. And if you're going to pray this prayer, be ready for God to answer it and, and be ready to confront some ugliness because we all have sin that we need to confess. And then as God reveals to you what those sins are that you are harboring in your heart and specifically brings to mind what they are, after you've prayed the prayer, have a season of quietness where you're still and you know it's God and you want to hear from God. And then as he identifies sin in your life, I want to encourage you to take your pen and to start filling the page. Just simply start writing down the names of those sins. And maybe they're one of the ones we talked about. Maybe you have to write down worry or anxiety. Uh, 
or, or fear. Maybe you've got to write down lying uh, or immorality. Maybe you've had some uh, uh, disobedient to authority or to your parents. And it, it could be thousands of things that God shows you. Maybe it's division. Maybe it's unfaithfulness. But for whatever it is in your heart, whatever it is you're putting before God, whatever you're choosing that God doesn't want you to choose— Name that sin and write it down as it comes. And the reason I, I told you to get a notebook and not a piece of paper is because when I undergo this exercise, and this is something that I practice regularly in my life, I have no problem filling the page. The words that I've used that have have saddened God, the people that I've hurt, the spirit that I've displayed, how how I've known what to do and I have not done it, you know, and those things that God shows me, where I've missed the mark. And then at the end of the exercise, once you've completed running, you pray over these and say, God, forgive me for these sins that I have named and show me a more excellent way. Help me to walk in your power. God, will you forgive me? Then you can take these sins and you know that God separates them, that he hangs them on the cross and that you have no guilt any longer, that these sins have been confessed and given to God, you can meet him anywhere. He knows everything and he will write the rest of your story. So take this practice of confession in the quietness of your season as often as you need to do it. This is also something that I mentally do during communion time. And so uh, confess these sins to God and, uh, and be well on your way to feeling his healing through it all. Hey, I hope that you will go through the, this powerful practice of confession in your life and that you'll use it anywhere, anytime. Remember this thought from today. Confession is the first step in healing what is broken. And if we want to heal what's broken, it's confession time. Will you become good at confessing to God? Will you become good at regularly taking your brokenness, your sin, your mistakes and putting them before God and allowing him to forgive you and then rest on his promises and see what happens? Man, we want to hear from everybody today. So no matter who you are, if you're watching virtually online in real time or if you're watching the rebroadcast, would you take a moment and fill out this response card? Click on the link that's available to you uh, there in the live chat section, or you can simply go to www.branchlife.church and hit the response card there and let us know uh, what, what you learned today. This practice of filling out this virtual response card is a very spiritually healthy practice, and frankly, it's an encouragement to your pastors during a difficult time. So will you check in with us? Will you respond? Let us know what resonated. Let us know uh, what you've heard and how it's encouraged you, challenged you today, and let us know how we can be praying for you, everyone. Everyone in your group, everyone in your family, would you take a moment and fill out this response card? One for every person. And then do it again next time you watch. And then in the in the gospel tab, if you're not sure about your salvation and you, you don't know if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this tab will explain the gospel to you fully. And you can click that. That link is available. Or go to the webpage and hit the gospel card online. There's also a link through it to the response card and you can fill out your information there. And if today you want to become a follower of Jesus, confess your sins and trust in him for your salvation, for your eternity. We would love to celebrate that. Just let us know that you prayed to accept Jesus and to become a follower of Jesus 
and we want to celebrate that with you. In the Gospel tab, you can learn more about that and you can also let us know that you've made that decision. And if you're ready to get baptized, we're celebrating baptisms every Sunday that it's warm enough. We'd love for you to sign up online. Just go to the baptism page. All of this is found at branchlife.church and you can stay connected with us on Facebook, on Instagram, or through our website, or subscribe to the YouTube channel and allow these things to be a part of your regular life every single time you are on a screen. We want to thank you guys for participating in this summer playlist. Psalm 139 should be a song that you listen to on a regular basis, and we hope that you'll join us next week or next time that you're available as we continue to dig into God's Word together and allow it to strengthen our connection to Christ so that we can go and reach our world. God bless. Have a great rest of your day.